Mohammed, good to talk to you again. Good morning. Morning, Dashan. Thanks for having me. Morning to the listeners. Also, we see Saudi Arabia has initiated these attacks in Yemen. It's putting uh, the price of oil in jeopardy here. It's, it's already spiked at least 6% overnight. What more are we expecting? Well, thankfully, I mean, we've spiked 6%, but we've done that off a very low base. So we, we haven't managed to break back above that $60 a barrel mark. That, that's quite a key technical level. So now I certainly am hopeful that we don't breach sustainably above $60 a barrel because if we don't see that, we could possibly head a little bit lower back into the upper 40s again, mainly on the back of still record production and record supplies and inventories in the United States as well as globally. Uh, Yemen in and of itself is not a major oil producer. So that's, I mean, the main risk here comes with regards to any risks to Saudi production, which at this point in time, I would say, are, are probably not high on the agenda, not, not a very high probability. That being said, any unrest obviously causes some volatility in the prices here. Uh, Yemen in and of itself, I mean, uh, effectively, the, the Saudis are saying they've responded to a request by the Yemeni authorities to try and crack down on rebels uh, that have been operating in that, in that country for quite some time. So for now, it is quite a fluid situation. Uh, I wouldn't price in a complete catastrophe just yet. And I, I do still think, I mean, obviously Saudi Arabia being uh, the second largest, third largest producer in the world, depending on whose data you actually use, uh, is, is quite critical to global supply. And if we see any massive disruption coming through there, we are going to see that manifest in a sustainably higher oil price. Uh, and the fact that the U.S. have export caps limit their ability to actually push their crude onto the international market as a bit of stabilization factor. So for now, that's remain quite crude but it is the most topical story that we've seen break overnight. Mm. I mean, the Reserve Bank have been meeting for the last few days. The Monetary Policy Committee is set to announce a, a repo rate decision this afternoon. By 3 p.m., we'll, we'll have it live on, on SABC, in fact. I mean, wh- what can we expect from the Reserve Bank today? Yeah, so, so first of all, we've got PPI data out today, and, and that expected, I guess, in many respects, to, to, to remain, I guess, on this, uh, this declining trend that we've had over the last while. But more important than that is, obviously, the Reserve Bank decision, most expectations, are ours at Ed Bank Capital as well, is for the rates to remain on hold at this particular meeting. Uh, I think they've got some scope to, to continue keeping monetary policy broadly. I mean, it's been broadly accommodative. In the most recent meetings, it's ticked into restrictive territory, mainly on the back of inflation that has fallen very sharply as a, a result of global falling oil prices. That's been your primary catalyst. What's concerning me, what's more important in this particular meeting is the direction in the next two to three meetings. Uh, and why I say this is we've had food prices uh, spiking on the back of a domestic drought. It's pushed domestic grain prices up to export parity pricing. And that's going to come through with about a six to nine month lag to headline inflation. And then also once the base is worked into the lower oil price, that will also be inflationary towards the latter part of this year. So I would still be expecting a, a, a little bit of a rate hike by the Reserve Bank, but very much loaded towards the tail end of this year rather than any time soon. Mohammed, after 7 o'clock, I'm going to be chatting to, to NUMSA as well as ESCOM. Uh, NUMSA has been on strike yesterday, the workers' down tools. Uh, they're expected to strike again tomorrow if ESCOM doesn't accede to their demands. They want a 10,000 rand bonus for completing one, one part of Madupi's power station. I, I mean, how does this feed into our energy crisis domestically? And is it something that the markets take, take credence towards? So, so, so I'll, I'll just tell you what it does for sentiment. I, mean, I was landing yesterday from a roadshow uh, in Cape Town, I get back home and I get back home into darkness because load shedding has been initiated again. Mm. I mean, that, that's really not good for the soul, just on a very simplistic measure. But effectively what's concerning me around this is 
Now, we're going to ask for a completion bonus on the first phase of Madupi. That then opens up the door for completion bonuses on every successive phase. I mean, I just get a very grumpy because a lot of this is not cast in stone. It leads to a very fluid situation with regards to the labor dynamics in South Africa. Insofar as the energy crisis, estimates come out thus far saying it should not compromise on the supply that Madupi is now currently putting onto the grid. What I do think will happen is that if this continues and persists for an extended period of time, it may compromise when any additional power comes back on, on, onto the grid with regards to any further development on Madupi. I mean, Madupi has already been delayed substantially. Uh, we know they've shifted a lot of the resources from the Kusile onto the Madupi project to get that on stream, which means Kusile is now pushed out from 2016 to 2017. So all it means for me longer term and structurally is that it does remain a massive constraint to this economy. It constrains our long-term output growth potential and it's cost—it's starting to cost jobs in, in, in the private sector. It's starting to cost jobs in other areas of the economy. This South Africa can ill afford to have this energy crisis drag on for substantial longer. But unfortunately, I still see this crisis with us for at least the next three to five years.